1: Live from the ESPN 690, Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. He was Superman. He was everything he was supposed to be. His teammates were not. For a guy who got blown out, he was spectacular. That's one of the best you'll ever see a quarterback play in a loss, let alone in a blowout in the Super Bowl. In fact, was Brady better than Mahomes, all things considered, in that game?
0: Hmm. <laughs>
2: Max, Max
1: Kahneman. He's <laughs> And he was... He was <laughs> at first when he was saying that, I thought he was talking about... He was talking about the Brady stuff, right? Going all the way back. The, like, we had him on yeah. about the cliff. Yeah. And so he's still trying to stand on that hill a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which, good for him. But I couldn't disagree more. This is one of those games where... While I've got respect, and I know that came out of this game for Patrick Mahomes, I appreciate the effort. It was valiant. It was like he was just one man on uh, well, against everybody.
2: And I have even told you, like, my stance Patrick Mahomes didn't change after that game. Like, I was actually more impressed
1: from what I saw from and, and trying to make it work. It's really interesting. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. But I don't think he played well. Yeah. I don't. Like, I, I think it was a heroic effort. Sure. But heroic effort and playing well are two different things. He had 23 yards passing on his first 12 attempts. He was three of 12. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, you can't convince me that he didn't make the wrong read and make the wrong throw. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I also think, I told you this, and and there was no need to really break it down some crazy way, but Mahomes... By the way, who I just said maybe I would draft, is uh, that's how much I do think he's unbelievably talented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe first overall of all the quarterbacks, yeah. and he's only played in the league three years. And I think you could make the argument for yeah, if you wanted to start a franchise for the next ten years. That good? Out of any quarterback that's played, even Brady, yeah. even Marino Elway, even Johnny Unitas, even Aaron Rodgers, all of them, I think you could make the case. I just think that he panicked at times in there, like, and, and that's natural. We've seen Brady do that. We've seen Manning do that. If you are getting harassed, mm-hmm. Brady said it yesterday, I think, or I think it was yesterday morning at the Super Bowl MVP thing. He said he's like, "You just can't do anything when you're under that kind of duress. Like, you can't sure. get in a rhythm. The way you, he, he said, it. the way you visualize plays, you can't make them happen. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing you can really do." Uh, and and I think we saw that from Holmes really for the first time in his career. He was under so much duress that even the magic trick throws he couldn't complete. And I think at times he actually could have stayed in the pocket a little bit more. And he got out of there yeah. a couple of times because it was that much in his mind, which, by the way, it should be. Uh, every quarterback would have done the same. Mm-hmm. But I just can't sit here and tell you that a guy that threw for less than 100 yards for two and a half quarters played a, a like a good game. Like he didn't. He did not play a good game. He he had a heroic effort, yeah. but it was not a good game even for him. No, without
2: a doubt. And now, granted, like a lot of that had to come from the standpoint of some guys weren't catching the ball either. Like even I forgot was it Pringle or who was the guy in the in the end zone when he threw like that one? Yeah, no, was it was Tyreek. Oh, Tyreek. Oh, it was Tyreek. You're down right in the corner. Yeah, right? yeah. In the well, corner. And then Kelsey
1: dropped one too
2: down. Exactly. The and like when that happened, I'm like, oof. You know, it could be a rough night for the Chiefs. But like, listen. I don't care who you are. I don't. I don't care if you're, you know, Johnny. You. It doesn't matter. Like if you have that in the back of your mind, as soon as the ball is snapped, you go oh expletive. I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I gotta make my read here. They're in cover two. No. No. Oh expletive is what I'm starting off with. No, you're not gonna
1: have success. Sorry. You know what's interesting to me there, and I, I guess it's so easy in hindsight, and maybe this is something a veteran quarterback in five years maybe Mahomes would have done this. How much discussion do you think you talk about power a quarterback? Why didn't Mahomes come to the side and be like, hey guys, like we gotta run a screen or something? We gotta mm-hmm. do something. We've gotta like I can't function. Like help I can't me. do anything. <laughs> yeah. Help me, help, help you. Me. Yeah, yeah. Uh but why didn't he come over? Like, it felt like everybody at halftime said they really should have ran the ball more. And then they right. they even said it to themselves, but that's two quarters into the game where they had like a hundred yards total and a couple of field goals mm. or and they come out in the second half, and they do run a little bit and again they they were this game wasn't changing they weren't going to win, they got dominated, they didn't even score a touchdown, so all of that stuff I'm just saying during the game, we talk about whether it's pianomy we talk about Reed yeah in hindsight, they all basically said we should have. Run the ball or countered their attack a little bit better. Why would it take two quarters for that to develop? Listen, is that a little stubborn on their part because they've been so successful? I
2: mean, it it could be like once again, I'm going to be the last person ever question the greatness of Andy Reid and then the play calling and and even be enemy. Um, but yeah, like if I'm Patrick Mahomes, credit to Patrick Mahomes. Cause if that was me in the Super Bowl and I packed from homes and it's halftime and I'm running off the field, I'm in tears and I'm I'm emotional. Like, you're gonna do something because I'm doing this by myself. My my foot's falling off. I can't even walk right. You guys are dropping balls. Can somebody do something? Andy, can we get a screen pass or something? Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you're a first-round pick. Let's see you in the pass game a little bit. Can we yeah. do something? Like I would have been so emotional. But you know, it just seemed like I think the, the problem with the Chiefs was more than anything is that they relied on who they were too much. Yeah. And, and it's like I always talk about. Like, we, we've seen so many times where the Kansas City Chiefs shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, we've talked about this at nauseum, but it's the truth. The, I I've, I can't remember the last time in a big, meaningful game in the playoffs where I saw the Kansas City Chiefs play four quarters of complimentary football where they didn't make mistakes. Like, they're, they're always kind of behind the eight ball a little bit, but they're so talented on offense. Or they make some defensive plays as well where they get it back and they end up winning, and it's a blowout. Like, we've seen that story how many times? I think history was trying to repeat itself again in Andy Reid's mind, where it's like, all right, guys, we've been here before. Everybody's relaxed a little bit. We're going to come out. We got Tyreek Hill. We got Travis Kelsey. You know, let's get Patrick Holmes a little more time, and we'll make a comeback. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you really saw a lot of adjustments from the Chiefs' offense. Obviously, you really didn't, because you didn't really see the screen game. You didn't see, like, the, the running back pass game. I just think that the Chiefs got too comfortable being who they are accustomed to being, which is not a bad thing to do. But when you got Tampa Bay's defense... You gotta change a little bit.
1: know, yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up, and I want to be careful to be hypocritical here in that sense. But before I say this, I, I think what you just said is right on. I think they have kind of stopped themselves in the past. You know, mm-hmm. maybe whether it's a turnover or maybe they're not getting the, the touchdown instead of a, they're giving up a, getting a field goal instead. Yeah. But this was the first time that we've seen them actually stopped. Mm-hmm. Like they were stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were dominated. Like that offense looked like, the Jags in week eleven. Yeah. You know, I mean it really did. It was ordinary. And that's kind of extraordinary that Tampa Bay was able to do that to them. But I I gotta be careful to be critical and uh or or really uh hypocritical because last week i remember this conversation i said if you are the chiefs why do you change anything nobody has caught up to you true right so nobody's been able to do this including this tampa team back in late november they couldn't stop you yeah so to their defense why would you think anything else was going to be different now in-game adjustments are important we could simply just say the run but I would imagine the Chiefs will now learn a lot from this game. Mm-hmm. And because I understand what you're what the easy way out here, Chiefs fan or NFL fan, or right now if you listen to me talk about it, Brent, their offensive line is brutal. Their offense, I know. Mm-hmm. But you still have to be able to run an offense. We like you still happen. you have to find answers. That's your job. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have injuries sometimes, you know? I mean, you might be without Kelsey and Tyreek Hill one day. For, for, because they have ankle injuries. Well, then what are you going to do? Right? You can't just assume everything's going to be great. So I was a little surprised from that vantage point. They didn't make any kind of adjustments to the run game, the short pass game, anything like that. And listen, and I'll
2: take some of this blame as well, because how many times have I said on the show when you asked me, is it just a fad? Like, will teams eventually figure it out? What yeah. I always say? There's no way, because you have Travis Kelsey. Because you, you have Tyreek Hill. Like, it's not necessarily the scheme that's killing you. It's the speed. It's the athleticism. It's the talent at the wide receiver position or the tight end position. But we saw, like, and Kelsey had his day, right? Like Kelsey, He did. I mean, he was open he for some. Over 100 yards. But we saw Tyreek Hill essentially get shut down. When I say shut down, I mean, he yeah, I think, seven receptions. But that's shut down. But he only had for, him for t- like, 40-something exactly. yards, Exactly, think it was. That's that shut down for Tyreek Hill. I'm not ready to say, like, the the blueprint is how to beat the Chiefs, right? I'm not really saying. I, I think when L. A. played New England, I think New England showed the blueprint.
1: Yeah, yeah. I felt think, that way because look at the next year. Correct,
2: right? I think in that divisional game, Ravens Titans of two years ago now. I think the Titans showed you how to beat the Ravens, or at least stymie the Ravens a okay. little bit for the most part. And you're right because they struggled a little they bit did. this year coming yeah. off that. They, they did. They got cooking late, but exactly. Now once again, like you gotta take the O.I. into account a little bit, but. From that game, like, I don't think that the Buccaneers showed you how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I think, and no disrespect to that game plan by Todd Bowles, it was fantastic. No disrespect to that defensive line, that secondary, they're fantastic, but with all due respect, I think Kansas City shot themselves in the foot a lot more with their personnel on the offensive line, and maybe some of the bad decisions with the drop balls, the penalties, all that stuff, as opposed to Tampa Bay shutting them down because their defense is so good. I mean, there's a little bit of that. Of course. But but I think if you have a healthy offensive line, that makes a difference as well. I think they
1: well. played, listen, in a one-game situation, that defense played unbelievable. Now, Without the defense had been trending that way anyway, and then you add to that the offensive line, and so it, it marries up to this situation where, like, whoa, and what the, happened? But I do yeah. think it's worth looking. To, well, no, you just sure. gave it examples. The Mm Rams-Patriots, the Mm -hmm. Ravens-Titans. What happened the next year, or at least for the first half of the next year, is we saw a down-to-earth Rams team. A down-to-earth Baltimore offense. Will we see that with Kansas City is a question we won't be able to answer until maybe early November of next year. It's a good call. So I think it's worth at least looking back, are we going to say, oh no, it's just strictly the offensive line. Yeah, you know, they're scoring 38 a game still. Or, do we say Wait, you know what? There's a little bit more to that. They did a couple of the things that we didn't really see jumping off the TV. They they did a couple more things than maybe we're even giving them credit to, and now people are copying.
2: Them. No, and, and for sure. But once again, I mean, and if you go back to that Chiefs Buccaneers game towards the beginning of the season when Tyreek Killers absolutely went off and like. If you're that offense, it's like, well, why would it be any different? Now, I'm not sure like, how many injuries that Tampa Bay had at the time and everything, but you look at what Kansas City did in Tampa Bay when they played there. It's like, yeah,
1: we're yeah. all good. Well, you I knew, knew gonna you weren't going to get 200 again No, in for first sure. But,
2: but I'm saying, like, obviously th- their defense ramped things up a little bit, but I still felt pretty confident
1: in terms of, yeah, we're, we're going to be all right against the Buccaneers. Well, like I say, too, I think that there's a lot of credit to Tampa. Mm-hmm. But did you do you remember? I, I think there were two things that I could sit here and say that uh, in hindsight— that the Kansas City Chiefs didn't do well. I think Mahomes, this is why I don't think Mahomes played great, is because he didn't take some of the underneath stuff at times, and he forced the ball while he was scrambling down the field. And I think the secondary did a great job down the field. Now, yeah. Tyree killed the ball, did hit him. And does that change the game? I mean, maybe it does. I yeah. don't know. But I'm not saying those weren't good throws down the field. I'm saying it wasn't really there to 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 be there for a big play. I mean, there, there was coverage all over the place. I never saw – there was one time we saw a wide-open Chiefs receiver and he overthrew him. Correct. I think it was Tyreek Hill. It might have been, right? No. Yeah. Uh, oh. I think it was, but it was on like the near side of the field. I remember around like the thirty-five, forty-yard line of Tampa, and somebody had broken yeah. free. It might have been Michael Hardman. It might have been actually,
2: Hardman or Hill. Yeah. I remember, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so, but that was like the only time I remember seeing an open guy down the field. Yet they still kept trying to go down the field. At least from my vantage well, point. Well, no, for
2: sure. But at the same time, once again, if you don't have time to get Tyreek Hill open, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, right. And it, it, it's so insane too. Like once again, and I'm kind of echoing myself from yesterday a little bit, but like. During that game, Brent, I was so predispositioned to think, well, here comes the comeback. You know, right? And mean, that was kind of like the, that was kind of the verbiage that even like Tony Romo was using. Hey, now keep in mind, one team could be down by a lot, but they're going to make a comeback. Like that's what Romo was saying in the pregame. I'm like, yeah, of course. We've seen this story how many times. And when Kansas City stopped Tampa on that goal line play, I'm like, game over. I mean, like, if, if I was a degenerate, I would have put money on, on I, Kansas I City too. right there.
1: I thought the game flipped right I'm there. I'm like, oh, that's game
2: over. Yeah, because it Momentum, felt like they should have been gone. up
1: 17 to exactly. 3 or 6 exactly. or whatever it was. Cause, 3, cause, I think it was. Because
2: they, they ran um, it was Jones. And I was like, oh, you're not know, going to put Fournette in? Oh, going to run Ronald Jones? Stopped him? Game over. Yeah. Kansas City, here we go. And then from that play, I'm like, all right, here goes Patrick Mahomes. Momentum's changing addresses. Let's see what Patrick Mahomes has.
1: But you know what? It never transpired it never or anything. Did. They and got like, like a first down. They yeah. got off their goal line, but that yeah. was it. They had to punt it away.
2: But, like, to me, I got the sense that play right there. I'm like, eh, here it comes. Here it comes Kansas City.
0: Don't
1: worry about it. The other and it thing, never happened. The other thing I would say, like, along with the running game stuff, but they never even, where was the creativity in their offense? Even their little shuffle pass that yeah. they use like that. You know, he just pitches it to a guy in motion, whether it's Tyreek Hill or Hardman or yeah. Sammy Watkins or whoever. Never saw that play. Maybe I missed the play, but I don't no, remember seeing that play. Like, those are plays that we give a lot of credit to Kansas City for being creative. And, again, I do think you have to respect and give the due to Tampa's defense. But Correct. they don't necessarily, just because they're playing good defense, they don't necessarily have to take your creativity away.
2: No, for sure. Even, like, the jet sweeps as well. But the same thing with the jet sweep, which, you know, I mean, when you got Miko Hardman, like, they're so known for. Is when Tampa was in that cover, two. I mean, the cover, two essentially takes the jet sweep away if you have physical corners. And they had physical corners that day.
1: Yeah. The more, I know the Super Bowl is now a couple days old. The moral of the story for me is we just heard a soundbite saying that uh, that Max Kellerman was like, I think Patrick Mahomes played great. I don't. I really don't. Like, listen, I think he's a phenomenal player. Yeah. I think he had a lot of problems in front of him. I don't think it was all his fault. And I really respect the way he handled everything. He didn't blame anybody else. Uh, I mean, I still love the guy. I just don't think he played well either. I, I think you can have both. Like I understand he wasn't given a fair chance at times. The, yeah. the clock was ticking. I also think when he was or when he needed to make a play, I think he was off too. I, I think both can be true. No, listen, I think Brady was the better quarterback that day.
2: Now, I'm not one to say, well, if you put Tom Brady on the Kansas City Chiefs, do they win? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> if you put Patrick Mahomes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, I'm sure you have uh, even more points and more yardage put up. But that day or that night, I should say, Brady was the better quarterback. Now, once again, like I'm not leaving that Super Bowl thinking, oh, Patrick Holmes, like I'm up oh, sell, sell, sell. You know, I'm, I'm not going Jim Cramer anybody. No. Like I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the stock has stayed the same. Yeah, so I agree. I don't think he, he gained any. I mean, I don't say even. I don't think he really gained anything from that game, Brent. But he didn't lose anything. I, I agree with that. I do. So, if he did not lose anything, well, he's still probably the best quarterback in the NFL. Well, there you go. Well, I said, I mean, we what just do you want this? Me to this. Who would you draft?
1: I yeah. think you could say Patrick Mahomes above any quarterback that ever existed if you had to pick number one and they were all on the table right now. Yeah. I think he's in that conversation. So, there you go. Uh, I don't think he's the wrong choice. All right. I, I got something for you, okay? All right. 1,400 yard back. Uh, could have been a pro bowler. Uh, wide receiver that's been a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. Young. Uh, second round draft pick. A second round draft pick. I like where we're going on right Wide now. receiver an offensive line that has invested as a second round pick as their tackles. Cam Robinson and yeah. Juwan Taylor mm-hmm. I'm going to get to. Um I I think people say now if you ask people seriously and and not with any bias, I think people say Brandon Linder has played at a Pro Bowl lever, level. Yeah. Well, he's going to get no love obviously not.
2: when you when one but game. But he's a season. good
1: center. Correct. Andrew Norwell has been an all pro and had a very nice year. He had a poor first year with the Jacks. Yeah. Uh, by his standards especially. But he's been an all-pro with Carolina, and he had a nice year this year, uh, believe it or not. And then you have a third-round tight end that's really your only investment that I will speak of. Yeah. My point being, I just gave you one Pro Bowl, one Pro Bowl guy on offense. But I think you could make the case for – well, actually, two Pro Bowl guys on offense because of Norwell. Uh, he's actually an all-pro. Mm-hmm. I think you could have made the case for James Robinson and Brandon Linder to be on, like, a winning team would make a Pro Bowl even this past year. Yeah. And then you're looking at investments, which means you're hoping that young talent blossoms second round, second round, second round, second round, third round. My point of this conversation is I think Trevor Lawrence is walking into a really good situation, like a really good situation. That's before they add anything in free agency or the draft once again. Yeah, that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think what happens a lot of times with these young quarterbacks, I don't think we're talking about this enough. What happens when you get a guy who's first overalls, you know why you're first overalls? Because your offense sucks. Because your team sucks. Yeah. Your team sucks, but your offense really sucks. Sure. Like I don't know if that's the case with the Jags. Jags had a lot of bad quarterback play. Uh, They need more help on the outside as well. And Mm -hmm. they're deficient in some areas. They're not great. But I don't think their offense on paper is that bad. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And so for a young quarterback, when Peyton Manning walked into the NFL, I think he walked into – a bad offense. I don't have in front of me, but I'm assuming you walked into a bad offense. They end up throwing 30 pants, yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, a totally different situation. He sat the first year, so that's not a good. And by year two, it was like, whoa, they're clicking. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not that. It, like that's not what Trevor Lawrence is walking into. Mm-hmm. But I really believe, and and you don't have to agree with me, that Trevor Lawrence is walking into an enviable situation here in Jacksonville in terms of what he has and can have at his disposal as a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Like, Again, I'm not sure we're talking about that enough. We're talking about how great Trevor Lawrence can be. And keep in mind, this is what I tell people. We have not witnessed this in Jacksonville. But we might be talking about a quarterback that actually makes those guys better, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? No, we have sir. not seen that in Jacksonville, but we might be talking about that. I think this is a really good spot for Trevor Lawrence and this Jags offense. Listen, I
2: couldn't agree with you more. Let's go and make that a button because I don't say that a lot on this show, but I couldn't agree with you more um, from your from your opinion here. Because if you look at Joe Burrow last year, all right, Joe Burrow, the I mean, hands down, the number one pick. We all saw that coming. Right. And I think that if you're Joe Burrow, I think if you're Cincinnati, like, wow, you got T. Higgins, you got A.J. Green, you got Tyler Boyd. You got a good running game and mixing offensive line. Oh, we'll see what happens. Hey, who knows? Right. <laughs> ah, whatever. <laughs> hey, That little thing. Eh, now we're about What's that? that. Well, what happened? Right. I mean, Burrow put up some big time numbers, some yeah. big boy numbers. Yeah, it looked good. But he got hurt. Why did he get hurt? Because offensive line like it wasn't it was a great situation from fantasy. But not a great situation from being a starting quarterback in the NFL because offensive line. Justin Herbert. Now, Justin Herbert wasn't going to be the guy. I mean, like, there wasn't a plan to make Justin Herbert yeah. the, the guy from the get-go, right? Obviously, a doctor in Los Angeles said, I want I got took Justin <laughs> Herbert late <laughs> in my fantasy draft. Let's see what he's got. Tyron, <laughs> let's see that Uh, oh, My bad. And then, <laughs> boom, there's a needle. Is <laughs> like, that guy no, still that would, employed, by the way?
1: Uh, he is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. It's one of the great survival jobs. <laughs> <of all> time. <laughs> I mean, Listen, if that guy can still have a job, I can't wait to see what I have to
2: do to get fired around here. That's all I'm going to say. But with Justin His Herbert... Hit.
1: Oh, just to say this, hitting coos won't get you fired. <laughs> For
2: sure. Well, with Justin Herbert, kind of the same scenario a little bit. You had a great running game with Austin Eckler. Now he got hurt, but I'm just saying when he came in, yeah, it was all in place. Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. Like you had a lot of pieces there. Yeah. And offensive
1: line, which was well, okay. Well, they now. added though. They added yeah. Trey Turner and uh, was it Bulaga? They had Bulaga, year? Yeah. correct. Now, now keep in mind, he got sacked 32 times, which was that's okay, man. The same as Joe Burrow, though. Yeah was that the well Burrow got sacked
2: 32 times but he, in like he was seven out. less games. no for first try keep <laughs> on Herbert was out i mean Herbert i guess played the whole season like, two he,
1: games in yeah, i think yeah two right? games in so whatever was. Well, okay three. yeah so you're right then but my point is 32 like 22 sacks is fine you'll take no, that like for sure, if Trevor Lawrence sure. gets sacked 32 times that's i think that's okay no i hear you
2: and then take a guy like Sam Darnold a couple years ago right i mean a lot of hype around him coming out of USC but the, the pieces at his disposal just wasn't well, there. Now, you bring in Le'Veon Bell, but, I mean, what did that really mean at the time? You know, I mean, at the time it was intriguing, but now it's like, well, they tried, yeah, it they tried, but it wasn't effective. So let me ask you this. Obviously, I'm thinking right now, I mean, the Jaguar situation, far better than Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, well, just while you're on it, can I yeah. just go down it and show it to you? Hit me with it. So here's their depth chart. For the Bengals. In 2020. A.J. Green. Yeah. yeah. An aging dude, but still, I take AJ Green, Tyra, uh Tyler Boyd. Sorry, Tyler Boyd. Yeah, T. great slot receiver. Nice by the way. job on the outside, right? Correct. T Higgins. Yes. Uh, and then they have Jonah Williams, Michael Jordan. Not that one. Uh, Trey <laughs> Hopkins, Quentin Spain, Bobby Hart as their offensive line. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not not many off Not many teams in the league would sign up for that offensive line. Absolutely not. Drew Sample at tight end and. Eh. Joe Burrow, and Joe Mixon. So their skill guys are good to your point. Yes. Like, you take that. Yes. But their offensive line is brutal. Now you go to the Chargers, and you said it. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Trey Pipkins, Dan Feeney, Mike Pouncey, Trey Turner, Brian Bulaga. You'll Mm -hmm. take that offensive line. It's not bad. You definitely would. And then you add Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, uh, and they play with a fullback, too. But to your point, the difference where Herbert walked into, Mm -hmm. right, to where Burrow Mm -hmm. was, Night and day, all because of the offensive line. Yep. So now here's the thing, though, right?
2: With Burrow, like, listen, any uh, I kind of mentioned Sam Donald, but listen, usually if you're the first pick of the draft, you're going into a pretty crappy situation. Usually is, right? And That's we talk the about this all the time. But like, with and listen, Burrow, for what he had at his disposal, did pretty well. Once again, couldn't stay healthy. It is what it is. Let me ask you this question: Would you rather take the situation of Justin Herbert from last year? Or this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, good... I think it's comparable. I really it's, it's do. It's
1: definitely, definitely comparable. I'd probably still pick the Chargers.
2: Okay, but it's
1: not—is it by a long shot or not? Or by a lot? No, the difference being—I mean, the tight end, obviously. Well, but here's the difference: Bulaga, Trey Turner, I believe, as well. I'll have to look it up. Uh, Pouncey, yeah, Keenan Allen. Pouncy was boy, out though. But, I mean, at the time, you right? take those five guys, and even Austin Eckler. You're talking about guys that. How much more do they have? Yeah. Like, how much more are they going to play at a very high level? Sure. The Jags, to my point, was second-round pick, second-round pick, second-round pick, second-round pick. You know, uh, rookie running back. Yeah. You know, third-round pick. They've got young guys that could blossom. So, I would take the Chargers over the Jags. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I would take the Jags situation over the Bengals, no doubt, Yeah. for Joe Burrow. Yeah. And so, somewhere in between. Well, and ironically, too. But for do... five years down the road, I'd probably sign up for the Jags. And ironically, this year, too, we been talking about the Jets. You take the Jaguars over
2: the Jets any day in the situation oh, no right doubt.
1: now. Not even close. And, and that's really the point of this conversation. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is walking into a pretty admirable situation for a rookie quarterback. Yep. A lot would say, you know what, I can do well there. Yeah, And I think that's the case with the Jets comparison, too. Yes. He is walking, not only New York versus Jacksonville, he is walking into a much better situation offensively to succeed sooner here in Jacksonville than he is uh, in New York. Yep. No doubt. Hands now they have down. to continue that. They have sure. to keep adding to it. Yeah. And we'll see if
2: the Jets can catch up. But I'll take the receivers of the Jaguars. I'll probably take the offensive line of the Jaguars. Obviously, add the running money, game. And the money, draft picks. Yeah.
1: The Jags can even build more around him. Yeah. It's a great situation for Trevor Lawrence. And obviously, good for Jacksonville that they're getting. That's good for us, too. Well, let's go back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. They told a 500 week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Austin Lane. Are we still? um right now we're not like our screen i guess we're good brent martineau yeah you gotta okay. go all the way yeah we're back thanks for your concern
0: you're welcome uh. <laughs> action sports jacks on espn 690 you know it's kind of hard to say when, when you got seven rings you know are you doing something right so, uh, I think with Brady, uh you know, he still wants to play. He said something about franchise that he's 45. I think he can do it now in this league uh, because players are so much more uh, protected. So, yeah, he can have that
1: GOAT uh, status. I never wanted that status anyhow. Jerry Rice? Yeah!
2: Okay, pay attention. There's
1: no, no. way. Uh, listen, Jerry Rice, unbelievable. Yeah, I was going to get that one. I know, but no, but I'm just saying it, it doesn't matter if Jerry Rice wants the GOAT status or not. Yeah. He ain't getting it over Tom Brady or even oh, I don't he think he's getting it over Jay, Joe
2: Montana. Jay. But what about a receiver goat? Oh,
1: yeah, he's
2: yeah, yeah. I don't even think it was a question. You're really messing with that volume button, aren't you, Because Well, I went to hit it down, but I accidentally hit it up. First. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, Yeah, Jerry okay. Rice by, by far the the receiver goat. Oh, I got a question for you, Brent. Uh-oh. Let's go off the script a little bit here. Goat status. I don't have script. Goat status. Oh, you'd be surprised. Uh, goat status, though. Right, it's, uh, it's, we're good? We're good. Okay. So, goat status. Um, it comes with a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance, and obviously, if you get that goat status, it means something. In terms of goat status, do you, I'm, this, uh, people are in the room, I don't know what's going on. All right. Sorry, you can't Brent. This. No, I can't handle. It. Hey, you can handle. It. We're trying to wave down coups earlier on the show today I know. when the
1: screen wasn't on. Well, I was just couldn't handle it because he wasn't responding. Oh, I know. It drives it up was, a wall. I, doesn't I was like, it? is this going to go on for twenty minutes, <laughs> or are we just going to let's you just know, call him? In retrospect, I
2: sort of just uh, hit the off button on my microphone and walked over to him. Yeah. But now,
1: but now I know for next <laughs> hey, time. We live and learn.
2: If I was to give you a goat status of anything, maybe it's Miss pac man. Who knows? What is Brent Martineau the goat at? <laughs> How is this for a change-up, because our caller isn't calling in quite yet?
1: Oh. Sp- oh, <laughs> there he is. There he is. Uh, wow, that's a good one, man. Thanks,
2: man. Those are the kinds I have.
1: What would I be the goat at? Okay, perfect. Well, uh, guys are right now, so you want Skechers
2: again? You <laughs> want to maybe like Skechers <laughs> no. purchases or something? I don't know. Uh, I got to think about this. All one. right, man. All I right. got to think about it. I want to give right. a are good answer. Wait?
1: What's that? Can can being late be one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Being late—that's pretty good. Would, That's not even fair. You guys don't even know the real me when it comes would, to being late. Like this isn't even nothing. know the real you. Like I'm getting better at it. Like I'm better now than I used to be. Like from people, how long ago? Like, like three, four, five years ago. Okay. I'm way better. Okay. Way it's better. Still pretty bad.
2: I mean, like it's like you and then you don't know. Who Roger Klotz is from Doug. He's he's the school bully who doesn't care about any kind of authority. You're in the same ballpark as him, so you, yeah. so you guys are
1: uh, being late goats. Let's ask Chip Wild this question because I like your question. Steal you. it, all right? Okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go right yeah, in steal and, and steal this Daytona International Speedway president Chip Wild Daytona 500 week just down the road, of course, in Daytona. Daytona 500 is the goat of auto racing. You better believe it. So Austin Lane just asked me, Chip said, "What am I the goat at?" I can't come up with an answer. You 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 have to be good at something. What are you the best at? They just said being late, so that might be right on (laughs) in terms of that. Uh, I was thinking maybe throwing batting practice, but my kid's even better than that at me, and I'm terrible at softball for my daughter at it. So uh, I really have to think a little bit more. This one was just thrown on me. So we'll do the same to you. Are you the goat at anything, Chip?
0: I don't know if I'm good at anything. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's a tough question. I mean, uh, oh, that's a t- that's tough. Yeah, you know, like, and I wonder if Tom Brady like walks around thinking he's the greatest of all time. Like other people deem you that, right? Yeah, true. Like, yeah, you know, it's like it's like Jimmy Johnson. Like people call him the goat, but he doesn't walk around. like, guess what, boys? I'm the greatest. It's ever driven. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting question. And like, I do wonder if Tom Brady like thinks of him that way. He's like, "Hey, this is just my job. Like, this is, I'm I'm good at my job. Like, you're you're good at your job." Uh, but I I will say this. I in fact, I was in Tampa last year on the radio right after they announced uh Brady it was coming to the to the Bucs. And I even said, like, there's not there's no way one guy can lead a team to the Super Bowl. Like, that and I recognize they had a different dynamic, but he truly, like, it wasn't just his ability on the field, it's his leadership, it's all the things that are intangible that he brought to the Buccaneers, he made that team believe they could win. And that's the sign of a true leader, right? Like, and he he changed the entire dynamic of that football team just by showing up for practice.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, he did. Uh, and is there that guy in, in auto racing, by the way, that you've been around? I mean, is there a guy in, in the sport of NASCAR that you would, you know, we can obviously debate, you know, who's the greatest driver of all time and... But but is there that glue almost guy that just changes everything by walking in the door that that people in NASCAR would say?
0: You know, I mean, I think Jimmy Johnson definitely played that role, and and he he changed the game for us, right? He's he 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 drove fitness into the into the sport, um, the 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 things, the intangibles out of the race car, he certainly brought to to our sport that really made everybody better, and that's what I think why people call him the goat is because. He didn't just make himself better. He made the sport better. And, you know, with with him going away, I think, you know, you you got a bunch of guys that are certainly willing to step up and be leaders. It's just it's hard to deny seven championships and and 80-plus race wins. Um, I think Kevin Harvick kind of has filled that role. Um, It's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, Michael Jordan has joined the ranks as a NASCAR team owner. It'll be interesting to see the dynamic that he plays on the ownership side. Because he's not just a figurehead. I mean, he's been very involved in the day-to-day uh, operation of of his race team, and um, you know, he he everything he does, he excels at. So it'll be interesting to see how he makes our sport better. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Jimmy Johnson, too, in the, the same ilk as Tom Brady because both of them are bringing fitness and that kind of discipline, even at their age, yeah. right to the sport. I mean, that's what Brady is still playing at 43 years old. Chip Weil, president of Daytona International Speedway with us. Got the clash tonight. Got a week of racing, uh, speed weeks, Daytona 500 Sunday. You can see it locally right here uh, on Fox 30. I want to piggyback on what you just said. Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, team up. Michael Jordan, we, we said this yesterday on the show, actually. Randy Moss, you, he owned a, a truck in the truck series, and I remember seeing him down there. I was like, okay, he's kind of active in this. We know Brad Doherty and the role he's played in NASCAR, going over from the NBA to, to NASCAR, and, and he's very active. But you just hinted at something that I didn't think we would label it this way. I thought he would be more of a figurehead, Michael Jordan. So you think we'll see oh, no. him I mean, the track? I, I, He'll I, be I, hands-on?
0: I mean, he definitely is involved. In fact, I uh, was with Bob Wallace on Sunday. We went to lunch, and we were talking about it. And uh, he is very involved in how how they're presenting the team, um, and and how they're how they're presenting every aspect of the team, not just on the racetrack, but how they're presenting it on social media, how they're presenting it to the race fans. Um, and so it it truly is his race team. And uh, again, I, 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 underestimated, um, the effect immediately he would have on, uh, on our sport. And as an example, last week I took the pace car and the Harley J.R.L. trophy to a number of, um, elementary schools here in town. And there was uh, a number of kindergartners who were wearing Michael Jordan sweatshirts, um, you know, air Jordan sh- sweatshirts on, and they knew that he was in the sport. They knew the driver uh, of 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 the 23 car, Bubba Wallace. Wow. They've never been to the racetrack. I asked. Wow. I said, have you ever been to the racetrack? Never been. So it, it's amazing to see the reach that he's already had with a really a different demographic for NASCAR, and I think that's going to make us all better. Again, Jimmy Johnson made us all better. Michael Jordan is going to make us all better uh, in some capacity. And so that's what we want out of our sport. You know, it, the NBA, if you look at after Michael Jordan left, it kind of went through a, a lull, and then, lebron james came through and he he really he, he had such, he has continued to have such an inherent impact on the nba outside of the basketball court um, and that's what we want the last time we've really seen any of that and in, and in, in our sport is when Dale Earnhardt jr um was a driver and it wasn't because he was the best race car driver it's because he had the name he had the look he had the feel and he also, Budweiser, took him to places we would never go. They put him in front of audiences that we would never see. Mm. And, and and all of that combined really helped push our sport forward, and that's what we need. I, our sports had a tremendous 12-month period, tremendous. You know, you look at where we were the first sport back with, with live content at Darlington Raceway, first sport to figure out how to get back racing, mm. right, or get back to playing, first sport back with live attendance. Uh, we, we tackled some social justice issues. We, we were the first sport to really engage a different audience with eSports when everybody was at home. All of those things really have helped elevate our sport, and I would argue we, we, we beat every other sport in 2020. And, and I think we're seeing that momentum as we go into the 2021 campaign. Chip, you mentioned
2: you know, reaching those audiences that maybe had never been tapped before. And I actually want to talk about Friday night. I want to talk about the Camping World Truck Series. Because there's a young girl by the name of Haley Deegan. Now, the only reason why I know who Haley Deegan is I used to watch her father, um, you know, at the X Games and Brian Deegan. Now, needless to say, I feel old as all heck but, like, do you think that Haley Deegan can be, like, that next, because I remember what Danica Patrick met to, to the sport of racing, right, and she kind of brought new eyeballs there. But I feel like now, in the time of social media and all this stuff, and Haley Deegan being very active in that kind of thing, it's like, can Haley Deegan be the star? Can she kind of usher in a new era of, uh, of truck racing fans right now?
0: A hundred percent. And I think we've already seen the impact of Haley Deegan without even being in one of the top three series. And I've... Gotten to know Haley over the last couple of years. I know her dad, um, and I, I I believe that she's got everything, including the skills behind the wheel, to be our next superstar. Um, I mean, she's she has the intangibles, but she also has the raw talent. Um, and she's setting herself up with Ford to get to the, to 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 make sure she's getting the right opportunities. I mean, you know, you, until you put somebody behind the wheel of a of a machine, you don't know what they truly can do, but. You know she's everything she's gotten in so far. She's excelled in. So this will be a big test this year to see where she where where she can go. Um, but she, to your point, she definitely has the opportunity to help elevate. Her brand and our sport at the same time.
1: Chip Weil, uh, president Daytona International Speedway, with us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. By the way, a little programming note. Stuart Weber from Action Sports Shacks down in Daytona tonight for The Clash. You'll see him on CBS 47 and Fox 30 all night long. The Clash is tonight. It's a road course race. You obviously had the road course race last year. Uh, will again this year. Uh, Chip, why I asked uh, or Stuart, who, who knows a lot more about this than I do, quite frankly, but I asked him, so why this love toward the road courses all of a sudden uh for the casual nascar fan not just for daytona but in general it seems like there are more of them why is that well we've seen
0: that we've seen that our fans love road course racing it's a it's a different style of racing than fans are used to and we actually announced the bush clash on the road course uh, about a year ago so before the pandemic uh, really want to differentiate this race from from the rest of the events during speed weeks presented by advent health we want to we we wanted it to be its own event, um, and a lot of these drivers, I would say they weren't excited about racing in the Bush Clash, but it, it just was another a race on our Super Speedway, and I think it really gives our fans a different perspective. It shows the raw talent of these race car drivers, and then the pandemic hit last year, and because Watkins Glen International, our sister track in New York, couldn't host of an event because of because of the the, the protocols. Uh, we had the opportunity to get a preview of tonight in August, and I thought it was a fantastic event. Chase Elliott got to victory lane, and they put on a heck of a show. Um, so I think it's it's truly uh, this was you know already planned, but it certainly gives these drivers a leg up because it was announced, gosh, a month ago now that after the Daytona 500 ticker flag waves and we crowned the 2021 Daytona 500 champion, most of these drivers are staying in town because we're racing again next weekend on our famed road course. Friday night with the Camping World Truck Series, Saturday with the Xfinity Series, and then Sunday with the NASCAR uh, Cup Series. So um, the the drivers tonight that are in the field are going to get a a leg up on the rest of the competition because they're going to get to see, in race conditions, what these cars will do. Uh, and I think it'll certainly help them as they gear up for next weekend's uh, triple header.
1: Yeah, I think it's terrific that you guys have uh, adapted to it and what the fans want, what the drivers want, and it's been a big hit. That's awesome. Uh, obviously, Daytona 500 coming up on Sunday. I got to ask you, I'd be remiss if I didn't. Uh, 20 years ago, Dale Earnhardt Sr., of course. Uh, are you guys doing anything uh, to remember Dale? How much of an influence does he still have on the sport? Uh, we just talked about Dale Jr., of course, and his impact. Uh, Twenty years later, Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, what does he
0: mean? Uh, I mean, he, he's still, he's, his presence is still felt. I, mean, I think Dale Earnhardt was, was truly the greatest race car driver to ever climb behind the wheel of a stock car, and you know his his legacy at Daytona has been well documented. Um, we are going to do a little special tribute on Sunday uh, for the race fans that are here, uh, and it hadn't been announced yet, but we are going to recognize him uh, during the event. And you know, I never had the opportunity to meet Dale Earnhardt. It's one one thing I wish I could have done, just because I'm very close with his son. You know, Dale's a, a really dear friend of mine, and I see the man he's become. And you don't you don't do that because you weren't brought up well. And um, I've heard stories. Actually, Dale Earnhardt was sponsored by my uncle's company back in the day, and my uncle knew him well. Uh, they did. They spent a lot of time hunting together, and I just love to ask questions about him because I his impact will be felt for for decades. And it's not just about what he did behind the wheel of the race car. He helped, again, like we've talked about, build the NASCAR brand, uh, and I think he, he's synonymous with with the Cup Series, with NASCAR. People, even if they don't follow it, know Dale Earnhardt, and um, you know, people like him don't come along very often. So, um, his legacy will will live on for 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 forever. I, I do believe that. Um, you know, he had such a passionate fan base, and I think it certainly will. Uh, there'll be a, a, a very fitting tribute to him on Sunday as we uh, as we get ready for the Great American Race.
1: Chip, awesome stuff. Uh, love having you on and uh, love Daytona Week. Uh, here it comes. Daytona 500 on Sunday starts tonight with the Clash. Once again, Action Sports Shacks will be down there all week long. And, and Chip, you're the GOAT at something. We're going to figure it out, but you're the GOAT at something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, I'll figure it out. I'll call you back. Thanks, man. Enjoy the week. Have a great week.
1: Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, it's Chip Weil, uh, president of Daytona International Speedway on a bunch of different topics. Fantastic stuff. Uh, and, obviously, uh, 20 years, uh, one of those moments where I remember exactly where I was Just just a young pup in this business in Providence, Rhode Island. And um, that day, uh, even in Rhode Island, uh, that's how the enormity of Dale Earnhardt. I was like, wow. I mean, uh, we're not talking about I was in the south, you know, yeah. or in a NASCAR heavy place. Yeah. Uh, There's some racing and some stock car stuff up in New England. But it was a huge deal. And that's how big Dale Earnhardt. And I do believe it. It's interesting. It could have gone on for, for more time with Chip. But what he said about Dale Jr., Mm -hmm. I think Dale Jr. is one of the coolest athletes of my generation. Mm -hmm. I think how he's changed is fascinating with the times. He was, I thought, a little bit – almost had to be protected at times, right? He was so popular. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants a piece of him. Mm -hmm. He obviously is trying to, as a young person – Get over his father's death, death, but live in his legacy and carry on a legacy, yet make a name for himself at the same time. You yeah. talk about something that is, I mean, how do you do that as a young person or any hard, person, man. quite frankly? Yeah. But then what I what I really appreciate about Dale Jr. is how much he's morphed onto, like, Twitter and the broadcast booth and how per his personality now shines. I didn't think there was that in the early stages while he tried to figure things out. hmm and became this this another like legend in the sport, the most popular driver like 13, 14 years in a row, mm. and won some big races. But like Chip just said, wasn't the best. But now, like you follow him on Twitter, like you hear him, you hear a podcast. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Like I really think the maturation of Dale Earnhardt Jr. that we've all seen. Maybe it's just my age and how I've seen that grow up in the last twenty years, from his dad's death to his racing career to now is one of the coolest things i've seen in sports in my lifetime and and it's not even a sport that i'm like this huge huge fan of yeah. or cover a lot but i think he's fascinating to me
2: it's amazing when dale earnhardt passed away like i can remember exactly where i was like i remember watching that race and my stepdad was a giant nascar fan and that was at the time a little bit too but like you know we always talk about like you know where were you when 9-11 happened yeah. and obviously I don't forget that I also remember exactly where I was what I was feeling what I was doing when he passed away because obviously it wasn't announced till later on in the yeah. day but I remember the crash I just remember thinking like it's not that bad of a crash he'll be okay and then later
1: it comes down the pipeline that he passed away. I was like in shock. Unbelievable. We're going to have a special this Sunday leading up to the race on Fox yeah. 30. It starts at noontime. And one of the stories is how far has technology come? Because Ryan Newman's crash last year. Yeah. And quite frankly, we all wondered yeah. if he was going to make it out of that hospital. He walked out of the hospital yep. a couple of days later. Goat. Uh, I a mean, goat at returning not, emails. Not delivering emailing. the tees. Okay. Emailing. What are you a goat at? I was going to say
2: not delivering the tees.
1: Um, That's true, too.
2: I don't know, man. That's why I ask the questions. I don't answer them. I ask the questions. By the
1: way, you have a fight coming up in March. Got a fight. March 13th. Let's talk
2: more about it tomorrow. We'll get it, yeah. You got That's it coming good. up, though. No, it's not going anywhere. We ice plenty of time ice talk about <laughs> it.
1: Live Local Loud coming up next on ESPN 6. I'll, I'll see you in the ring. Or Cage. <laughs> cage. Yeah. Have a good night. Oh, oh,
0: oh, O'Reilly. Do you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.